right now, we are going to stand together as we read the word of God. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. Jesus explained, The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come. Come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Mm, mm, mm. Well read. Come on, round of applause to our readers. So good. All right, everybody. It's good to see all your faces. We're going to fire this thing up. I want to start with a real quick review. Last week, if you weren't here, we kicked off this series on the parables. And I want to give you a little review about this series we're calling Lean In, Exploring the Parables of Jesus. Why we're calling it Lean In. Number one, it's Lean In because when Jesus delivered these parables, They weren't, as we learned last week, they didn't always make things easier to understand. Do you remember that? They didn't always make things more clear. Why? Because these parables were not just trying to deliver content and information. They were trying to elicit a posture from us. What kind of posture? To lean in. What does that really mean? Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. This is what faith looks like in action. Parables are not meant for us to hear them and go, oh, got it. No brainer. Everybody gets it, right? Seed on path, not a great way to farm a crop. Seed on good soil, that's the way to go. No, he's trying to draw us in and say, what did you mean by that? And because all of life is like that. Okay, so lean in, ask and seek. And I pray as we go throughout this series on the parables that you'll begin to lean in and that you will open your heart to what God is saying to you through the parable, but also in the narrative and in the parables of your life, the parable of your marriage, the parable of your health, the parable of the day-to-day experiences that you're having in life. Okay, well, that's parables for you, everybody. A little quick summary. Here we go. Verse nine. Jesus says this great cryptic line, all right? Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. 
It's, it's one of those lines of Jesus that says at first, like, it's a no-brainer. All right, yeah, if you have ears, hear. But you get, as you stop and think about it, wait a minute, what do you really mean, Jesus, by hearing? Jesus, as we go into this parable of the soils, it's a parable about how we hear God. It's a parable about how we hear his word. And to get us into the zone in the mood to hear this parable and dig into it, I want to show you this video because this video is going to open our eyes to a whole new way of hearing and the importance of hearing. You ready for this? Check this clip out right here. This is going to blow your mind. It's coming. Ben Underwood is blind. Both eyes were removed when he was three, leaving him with no vision at all. So how on earth does Ben do this? And this? And even this? I don't think I've ever come across somebody like Ben. I, I, you know, he was quite unique. Ben lost his eyes to cancer, but unbelievably, he's taught himself to see with sound. If he chooses to go out there and, and ride that bicycle, let him ride the bicycle. It's got to be very smart. Somewhere in there, it's a little genius going on. I don't consider myself blind. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Ben has no guide dog and never uses a white cane. He's not even using his hands. Instead, he sees with sound. He makes a sharp click, which bounces back off nearby objects. Amazingly, Ben's ears pick up the echoes and he can precisely locate where things are. Ben is the only person in the world who sees using nothing but echolocation. Well, I've been able to tell where walls are and where things on the ground are. If I click down, then I can hear them easier. But if I'm walking, I'm just clicking over it, it's not going to get it. And I can tell where desks are in the classroom and stuff like that. I can hear the wall over there, the couch over there. I can hear the wall behind me. I can hear the wall over there and the TV and the computer. <laughs> you can hear the wall. When was the last time you heard your walls? <laughs> Is that just not mind-blowing? Sometimes it's hard enough to hear our spouse or our roommate, but just to hear a wall, it's a whole other level of hearing. Here's the point. There's a level of hearing at which hearing becomes seen. Because when Jesus showed up on the scene and he started to teach people, he was helping humanity and the whole world recognize that like this boy who was blind to the physical world with his physical eyes, we're in a similar way, we're blind to the spiritual realities of our world. Think about it for a minute. Ever feel like, man, if God is so real, why is it so hard to see him in the world around us? That's something, a line I like to throw out. But the truth is, all of us struggle to really see God. It feels like the, when we leave this building, the things that we can see with our eyes feel so much more real than what... This is trying to show us about the world. 
In the same way, Jesus is trying to open our eyes by teaching us how to hear. He wants to open our eyes to his truth by talking about the way we listen and hear his word. Because the purpose of his word is to open our eyes to the truth of God's presence and kingdom that has come. And it's all around us. So here's the point of the message. The point of the message is this. As Jesus explains this parable to the disciples and as we unpack it this morning, Jesus wants to teach us and show us how to hear his word so that we see his truth. Let me say that again. He wants us to learn how to hear his word so that we see his truth. Because just because we can hear it doesn't mean we really see what God's trying to show us. You with me? Are you with me on that? Okay. There's this whole other world of hearing that we're going to get as we go into this passage. Let's start with the first soil. There's four soils. We're going to walk through each one of them one by one. As we go through it, I just want you to be open to asking yourself, how do you relate to what Jesus is saying about us in these soils? Where do you relate to? First soil, number one, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes away the word that was sown in them. Let's break this down. This first soil explains a lot of elements that are in the rest of the parable. Number one, verse, yeah, there's, didn't you love our bird? Come on, there we go. Verse 14, we have the seed. And right away, Jesus interprets that. He's like, okay, the seed is the word. Now, what does he mean by the word? Well, first, Jesus himself is the word. The father has sent his son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Are you with me? Jesus is the word. He is the logos. If that doesn't make sense to you, don't worry. We'll hit that some other time when we're studying the gospel of John. But it also, when he says the word, he's talking about the message that he is bringing. And he's describing the different ways that people respond to his word to his message. What is his message? In short, it is the gospel, the good news that the kingdom of God has come, that God is working around us, in us and around us. And he's inviting us to have eyes that see and ears that hear what God is doing in our midst right now, today. It also is this moment we're in at this very moment. Jesus, knowing that he was going to send messengers throughout the world to to share his message of good news, right now you're hearing his word. This is the word. And you're listening to it. And so it also refers in a general sense to how we respond to the word of God and the truth of God. You can hear God's word, but do you recognize it as truth for your life? Are you with me? Because I had professors at UCSD that knew the word inside and out, but it was not their truth. All right. Now, the verse 15, he goes and he starts unpacking another layer of the imagery, the, the path, the soils. He goes in verse 15, some people are like seed along the path. Now, people are the soil. What you'll notice in the parable is that the seed is the constant. The word is never changing. It's not about is the seed good or bad. It's about the soil. The soil is the variable. What does that say to us? Well, it says a lot. It says, number one, that as God is speaking to us, it's not the word that's changing. It's us and the variability of our response to his word. 
And so the soil represents our response to God's truth, and it represents different kinds of people and their posture to the word of God. All right? And even more specifically, we could drill down into it and say it, the soil represents your heart, your attitude, and your choice on how you're going to respond to what you're hearing. Okay. Now, the path. What is this path in particular, this particular soil? Now, I want you to think for a minute. Okay, let's pause. I want you to think of my, draw to mind a path that you've walked on when you've gone for a hike. Can you draw maybe a nice hike, bring it to mind right now when you've walked on a trail? Draw that trail, that path to mind. Now let's ask this question. What kind of soil or environment is a path for a seed to grow in? Okay? How would you describe a path as an environment for a seed to grow in? All right? Turn to a friend, to a neighbor. In 15 seconds, just share one thing you would describe. How would you describe a path as a good or bad soil? Go ahead and share. What makes it a good or bad soil? (laughs) Just one or two words, just real quick. Turn, share, get engaged. All right, there we go. All right, all right, I'm looking at you, I'm looking. Yeah. I love it when you guys talk and share because that's what these parables are trying to do. They're trying to get us to engage, not just sit passively, but to engage. And when you turn and do that, I know it sometimes feels a little cheesy, but whatever. You feel like you don't have anything to say, but it gets you engaged. And that's what he wants. So, path. Anyone want to raise their hand, throw out? How, what, what, how would you describe a path as an environment for a seed to grow in? Hard. Hard. Yes, that's right. All through the New Testament and the Gospels, Jesus talks about what? Hard hearts. He talks to the Pharisees about their hard heart. He talks, get this, even to his own disciples about their hardness of heart too. So to have a hard heart, you're not necessarily someone who's like anti-God, just anti-religion. It's someone who is unreceptive to the truth of God. It could be a particular truth in a certain area of our life. You might be receptive to God's word about, I don't know, let's say, his forgiveness for you. But you may not be as receptive to his forgiveness through you to somebody who's offended you. Are you with me? Oh, it's okay if you forgive me, God, but maybe not that person. You're a little harder on that. Maybe there are certain topics that come up you find yourself kind of tightening up inside. We talk about money and what it means to be a generous person with our finances, with faith. Maybe we start talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit today is still healing people. You harden up. Oh, no, is this a charismatic church? Oh, no. And boom, you tighten up. I'm not letting that seat in. Mm-mm-mm. You know, you ever felt that way here? Maybe you have. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Listen, paths are well-trodden, and so they are hard and unreceptive. So what does that represent? I think it can represent where we find ourselves cynical, closed, non-curious. This is important. It isn't always the non-religious that are the hard-hearted. Sometimes people who are familiar have walked with God a long time, have walked through his word. It becomes well-trodden. We become comfortable with what we already know. 
And it's hard to let God reveal something fresh to us when it's unfamiliar. You with me? Yeah. Jesus doesn't want us gullible, but open, curious, teachable. Okay, the bird is what? Satan. Oh no, there we go. Satan, now we're going to get all spiritual on you. Yeah, we're going there. We're going to talk about Satan for a minute, and it's super important because for some of us, we think of Satan, we think of some kind of movie, a cartoon, but really the Bible um, wants to awaken us and open our eyes, to go back to that imagery, to open our eyes to the spiritual dimension of life. For some of us, life is no deeper than our finances in our pocketbook. You know, that is ultimate reality. For others of us, it's, we're more of a relational type, and relationship is the bottom line of life. Oh, that's important too. But there's this spiritual dimension to life. And the picture the Bible gives us of the world, it is teeming with supernatural beings. Supernatural spiritual beings are real. They exist. You can't see them. They're real. Let me give you an example Right? He puts this idea of demons alongside a familiar idea. How about viruses? Can you see a virus? You cannot. But they're real. I remember I was studying virology, and I remember they were, they, we had the picture. I should, I should get a picture for tonight. You can see this diamond head with this little body and these little spider legs that come out. They look like little monsters. They're creepy looking, and they can inject their DNA into your cell. Ooh. Yeah. But viruses are real. You can't see them, but you see their effect. But we know they're real, right, everybody? Yeah, yeah, we know they're real. They're real. Just like demons and spiritual beings. And what the Bible is showing us here is that the environment of God's word is not coming to you in a passive or neutral environment. When you're hearing God's word, you're hearing the word of God in an environment that is hostile to the truth of God. And there are spiritual beings that want to distract you discourage you, and deceive you from God's truth. Satan is not a puppeteer who can pull the strings of your will and make you do things that you don't want to do. See, that is someone blaming someone else for their problems. They probably also blame their mom for all their problems too. So you can't blame the devil for what you've done. But these spiritual beings, they can deceive you, distract you, and discourage you. All right. Because you're hard, the seed sits there and gets plucked away and never grows in your life. Number two, soil. The rocky soil. Let's talk about this one. Verse 16, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Come on. We're off to a good start. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes I want to focus on that idea of persecution. Because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, first of all, do you see a progression happening from the first one to this one? Does anyone see the progression happening with the progress of the seed? Okay, what do you see? Anyone want to raise a hand? What do you see? Come on now. Yeah, right there. That's right. So in the first one, it doesn't even begin to grow. So... That's people who hear it, but no growth. This one, there's hearing, and it's received with joy. Thank you. You're going to see a progression with each one of these imageries. And what happens to it? It gets scorched by what? I want to focus the application of this around one specific idea. Notice how it says here, persecution. 
Now, in our context, we're not going to be arrested probably, thrown in jail, or killed because of our faith. But we will experience the pressure of other people's opinions about us if we choose to follow Jesus. The negative opinion of other people about us or about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the ability of other people's negative opinions to scorch the fledgling growth of our faith. Listen to this. Proverbs 29, 25, the Bible actually describes this phenomenon. Look at this verse right here. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Now, what does that mean? The fear of man is the fear of human opinion. Are you with me? You got that? It is the concern what others will think of us and the effect that it has to prevent us from going further with God. Because it starts in junior high that we care what others think of us, and it never goes away. Do you get that? Doesn't matter if you're 60. Well, maybe by the time you're 70, you're starting to not care. I don't know. Is that true? 70? What? No, 40? No, no, no. Who said no back there? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Come on, bro. Thank you. It's this kind of, you hit teenage years and boom, it's with you for the rest of your life. The concern of what others think and the controlling effect it has, the scorching effect it has on our faith. Because Deep down, we're afraid that in following Jesus, people might think that we're, well, well, let me give you an example. There was a student who had come with me to one of our student gatherings on campus when I was doing student ministry at UCSD. This guy was ahead of his fraternity, pre-med, doing very well in school, had everything going for him, but it kind of like got to this point where he was hitting rock bottom. He comes, he calls me and says, hey, can I come with you to one of your gatherings? He shows up and he hears the teaching of God's word. And after service, I say, hey, bro, how about we go out and just talk? Late at night on campus, outside the lecture hall, we're talking. Tears are in his eyes, and he's like, man, I just, last night I was, I was snorting lines. I've been doing drugs. I just feel like my life is not going the direction it should be going. Have you ever felt like that in your life? You know, where you just look at your life and like, you don't like the direction it's going. And it was opening him to God in a good way. I said, bro, God's moving in your life. Do you want to let God get you on track with his destiny for your life? Man, this guy wouldn't... He just started crying, man. This, this big dude just started sobbing like a baby. He's like, dude, I'm ready. So we prayed together. The next week, he was like, yeah, let's get together. Next week, I want to I grow. I couldn't reach him. I called him the next week, couldn't find him. I didn't, couldn't find this guy for a month and a half. What happened? He called his dad. This is, this is the saddest part. He called his dad that next day, told him what was happening, and his dad said, you know, son, pack up your bags. I'm taking you to Cabo. Took him to Cabo for kite surfing and had a deep father-son moment. And he looked at his son. And and he he told me this whole story later. He said, you know what? Religion's okay, but don't take it too seriously and don't become a fanatic. I never saw that guy again. 
you know, as much as we want to pretend like we would never let that happen, the truth is we do. We do let other people's opinions scorch what God is doing in our life. The fear of what people might think of us, the fear of what our spouse, our brother, our friend, our coworker, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, and we let the fear of what they will think about us obeying God's word or trusting God or following Jesus. And we buy into the caricatures of other people's opinions about what it means to follow Jesus. For example, for some people, if you become a Jesus follower, you are going to become an anti-science person. You're going to throw your brain out the door and just become a blind faith kind of a person. And you cannot believe in science and follow Jesus because the two are incompatible. Right, everybody? Right? That's true. Right? No. Any scientists in the house? Any doctor? Come on now. Come on now. Come on. You can't be a Christian. <laughs> or how about this one? You can't follow Jesus because you'll be homophobic. You will be judgmental. Oh, you're going to follow Jesus? Well, now you're going to become hypocritical. You know what? There's a little truth to all that. You can find a little bit of that everywhere. You can find that with atheists. You can find that with Buddhists. You can find that with everyone. These are just plagues of humanity. We all got it, but it's not what it means to follow Jesus. And it's the opinion of others that keeps us from following Jesus. Oh, if I follow Jesus, I'll become one of those people. And so we, it quenches in us what God is doing. Third soil, the thorny soil. Verse 18, still others like seed among thorns. They hear the word like you are right now. But the worries of this life, how many people, how many of you have been here thinking about that thing you didn't do? That thing in your life that's just, you know what I'm talking about? The worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things that come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now listen, in this one, the seed is growing. It takes root. It grows. But it is literally strangled by what? These three things, worries, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desire for other things. And if you put them together, you get this spiritual syndrome called, are you ready for it? Busy-itis. You ever heard of that one? Ever, ever had a little bit of that? A little bit of busyness? This is where the busyness, this is the one that's so tricky because it says in the Bible that God is the giver of every good gift. It's where the good gifts in our life begin to crowd out the source of every good gift in our life. The gift of our children, the gift of our friendships, the gift of our ability to succeed in our career, the gift of our ability to perform, to enjoy life and surf and skate and have fun and enjoy life. All those gifts begin to crowd out the giver and the source of all that goodness. That's what makes that one so tricky. Because it's not like something is bad. It's just crowded. And it chokes our ability to mature and grow. What's challenging about this one is that unlike the other ones, you can be, show the signs of growth. You can show the signs that you're walking with Jesus, but you are not producing fruit. You've stopped growing. You've stopped maturing. It's a type of arrested development. You know what I'm talking about? Come on now. 
We all, we all suck. Let me tell you about me. So you know, hey, I don't got to figure it out. There was a moment where I realized that my prayer life was, after 15 years, was no stronger than it was the day I first became a believer. In fact, I might even have to admit it was a little weaker. I probably prayed a little bit less with a little bit more confidence than I did when I was first a Christian. Can you relate to that? I was looking at my prayer life, no condemnation, no judgment, but just realizing it was not growing. It was not growing in proportion to my responsibilities in my life. For others of us, it might be in our giving, in our ability to be generous, or it might be in our ability to forgive and be gracious to other people. As followers of Jesus, we should be becoming more and more gracious and easier and better at bearing with other people's weaknesses. But we actually maybe start finding, I'm becoming more critical I'm becoming more aware of everyone else's sin. Come on now. Come on now. That's, I got some of that. I got, I got, come on. I'm, the, I'm like, you know, I have to be the most careful as a pastor. Where is that for you? Where do you sense the busyness of life choking things out? Look at this next quote right here. We want to know God more. We want to grow. But we're just too busy. This guy... John Orberg, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, great book, I recommend it, said this. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will all settle for a mediocre version of it. Mm. Mm -hmm. That not get you a little bit? That one, man, that one's challenging. Just, I, that, that phrase is haunting right there. We all settle for a mediocre version. You're not dead. You still got some green on the vine. No fruit. No fruit. Yeah, I remember this one, man. I remember this one. I remember when I was just trying to grow in my prayer life, maybe you've heard this story, I was trying to grow, and when I realized I really had a problem was when I would sit and pray, and do you remember this story? I would just, I would sit determined to pray, and next thing I know, I'm at my computer returning emails, get this, I couldn't even tell you when I decided to stop praying or remember what I did to get from that moment to my office to my computer. Ever do that on the road where you're driving, you don't even know how you got there? Is that just me? <laughs> I was so preoccupied because that crowdedness is not just in our schedules, it's in our thoughts and it's in our hearts. We are spread 3,000 miles wide and half an inch deep and the life of God is crowded out. Fourth soil, finally, verse 20. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, they accept it, but they don't just come and listen to the message, hear it, like it, and go, that was cool, and leave. Get this, this is super important. Because to hear it and agree with it, you're just at the second or third soil. Isn't that crazy to think? Listen, when you hear a message here on Sunday or you read God's word, and you hear it and agree with it, and then you're done with it, you haven't even gotten past the second or third soil. Wow. 
The third soil is produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, you don't got to produce this fruit. Look at me, guys. This is not about you producing the fruit. This is what the seed of God's word will do in you if you just get out of the way. That's the grace. You don't got to make it grow. You just got to make sure you're not blocking it from growth. Here's the point. The good soil hears, accepts, and produces. This is where we choose to hear God and allow his word and his truth to grow and change our life. You're willing to make room in your life. Let me give you an example. This couple came up to me after service this morning and said, back during COVID, when we were just watching the services on video, you gave this message and you were talking about spiritual disciplines. I don't know if you remember this. This was a long time ago. And they said, you made a reference to a book. It was called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And it really made such an impact on us, this idea of spiritual practices that we went and looked up that book and we bought it. And they're like, then we read the book from front to cover. They read the book and we started practicing the things that the book talked about. These disciplines of celebration, of Sabbath keeping, all these practices. And, we, and they were just like, they, no, this, was, this is one of those special moments as a pastor, you just want to cry. They looked at me and it looked like they were just about to cry. They were just like, thank you for telling us about this because we are experiencing so much more of God in our life. I was like, wow, that's what it's like. They didn't just hear it and go, that's cool, I agree with that guy. They started doing something with it. And what will happen? What kind of fruit are we talking about? I wanna invite the band out, and as the band comes out, let me talk to you about the kind of fruit. The kind of fruit it is, faithfulness, gentleness, and generosity. Could you use some of that right now? Come on, if you're married, I know you can. If you're a parent, double so. Come on. Joy, kindness, love. How about some of that? Okay. Peace, patience, self-control. These are not things you produce. They're things that if you allow this to take root in you, it's going to produce that fruit in you. Come on now. Now, as the worship team does come out, <laughs> I just want you to know, I am wrapping it up. <laughs> the preacher knows when to stop. Let me end with this verse. Jesus came saying, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. How, what do we do? If he is sowing his word and these are the soils, what do we do when we see, okay, my soil, I got some rocks. I got some hardness. I've got some thorns. Jesus says, repent. Repenting is not a bad thing. It's not something you do because you're a bad person. Repenting is how you cultivate the soil of your soul. Repenting is the way that you admit God's truth is better than your truth. Repenting is where you say, Jesus, this, what you're saying right now does not line up with my truth, but I'm willing to give up my truth for yours. And I'm willing to do something about it. I'm willing to admit that I have sin in my life. See, we all got sin. This is good news. It actually is good news. If you feel like you're the only one, you're not. We all do. All of us are struggling to know how to make room for his word and his truth. What the Bible says, 
is you just got to repent. Just admit where you're struggling to see the fruit of his spirit grow in your life. As I told you before, I remember one time I was confronted with my son and I wasn't being gentle enough as a father with him. And as painful as that was, confronting that painful truth, that sin in my life as a father, allowed me to repent. And that repenting allowed the gentleness of Jesus to grow in my heart. Wouldn't you like some of that? Come on, yeah. As we go into this song, where is Jesus inviting you to repent? To turn up the soil of your heart so that the seed of his truth can grow and bear its fruit in your life. Every week we come together to hit the pause button on our busy lives. And all of us have busyness, but we come here every weekend to kind of like as an act of rebellion against the busyness of our culture, to open our hearts and our souls to the Word of God and to let it find root in our soul. And when you let the truth of God take root in you, it's going to produce in you what you could never do with all of your striving and trying drinking and working and running on your own. Right now, we're at a critical time where coming out of COVID, a lot of us are just kind of floating around in Christian community. And I want to extend the metaphor of this soil just for a moment and put a fresh perspective on the soil idea. In some ways, the way a plant grows in soil is the way a Christian grows in the soil of Christian community. A plant cannot grow without soil. It needs water, it needs sun, but without soil, it will die. The same is true for you. As a follower of Jesus, as someone looking to know who Jesus is and explore and grow spiritually, you can't do it all by yourself. There's something about us coming together, being rooted in a community of believers that allows for our souls to grow. Why? Well, partly because one, when we're around other people, they kind of annoy us and we learn to love one another more. When we get around each other, we're able to see God from new perspectives, perspectives we couldn't have on our own. The temptation for us, maybe for some of us, is just to stay at home watching it on video, to come maybe once in a blue moon. But as you come on a regular basis and you gather with the people of God, you are rooting your soul in the community of God. And it's here as we read the word of God together out loud, as we study the word of God together, as we meditate on it and try to live it out, we find strength and courage from one another. Come on now, come on. I want to invite you right now, just uh, before we wrap up, are you in need to be rooted in a community? 
Hey, maybe not this one, but why not? Maybe I'm floating around. I want to challenge you. Get rooted in a Christian community and let God nourish you. Let his word go deep into your heart. And as you open your heart to his word, you're going to begin to see the truth of God in your life with fresh power and joy. Come on. Let's rise. Let's stand up together and let's pray. To close things out, listen to this. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is no way to the Father except through me. There is no way to the life that God has made you for without his truth. Let me say that again. Look at me, guys. Look at me. Come on. One last shred of attention. There is no way to the life that God has made you for without his truth. open our hearts to your word today let it find good soil God we pray let it produce fruit in our life and we grow and become more like you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen God bless you guys Here, Brian.